This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 289, How to Be a 10-Hour Entrepreneur with the real Jason Duncan. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode. Hey, have you ever seen a logjam? You know what I'm talking about. A logjam. A logjam is one of these naturally occurring phenomena characterized by this dense buildup of tree trunks and pieces of wood that's just strewn across a lake or a river. Typically, a log jam in a river often spans the full surface of the water from bank to bank. This can happen over months or years, or it can happen instantly when a large number of trees get swept into the water, let's say after a flood or natural disaster. Now, log jams can persist for even decades, but can, generally speaking, be unstuck by moving just one essential piece of wood. So, my question is if you're a business owner, is it possible? You are creating the logjam for your business's growth. Are you the impasse? Are you the deadlock causing slow growth or even no growth in your business as it's experienced today? If so, if you believe you might be the logjam, how can we break it? That's why we're going to talk with my guest today, the real Jason Duncan. The real Jason Duncan is founder of 12 companies who got his start in entrepreneurship as an unemployed school teacher in 2010. Educator turned entrepreneur, Jason runs a mastermind called the Exeter Club that teaches entrepreneurs how to break free from the daily grind of business operations through a method he calls hashtag exit without exiting. He is the host of the Root of All Success podcast. Jason lives in the Nashville area with his bride of 27 years. He loves riding motorcycles and camping in his RV. There is so much we covered together today, including the power of a mentor. Listen for what Jason says about his mentor, BJ Howard, and how BJ helped Jason change his mindset, which is what I think really the job of a coach should really be all about. In the episode, Jason's going to talk about the power of questions and the power of aha moments that a coach might import, and how important it is as a business owner to get access to cash when we need it the most. We talked about how Bank on Yourself has saved Jason countless times over the years to help him in situations, and how other business owners can do the same. So with all that, I hope you enjoy this week's episode with the real Jason Duncan. JD, welcome to the show. Glad to be here, Mark. It's good to see you. Glad to have you on. You're like a serial entrepreneur, somebody who I think just when I think entrepreneur, I think about you. And not only are you an entrepreneur yourself, but you're helping serve many others in this space. Uh, and I personally believe the entrepreneur is the superhero, the unsung superhero in our economy. So you're like the 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 mastermind superhero mentor. You're like uh, Kal-El, you know, for Superman. So tell us you know, what is it like being you, J.D., first of all, and then how did you get your start as an entrepreneur? 
Well, it's interesting that you call me a superhero or talk about entrepreneurs as a superhero, because one of the things that I teach people is that there's this thing that entrepreneurs have called the hero syndrome that you have to break or you're never going to live the full life that you intend. But we can probably get tell us more about that, too. Yeah. okay, go for it. But, uh, you know, what it's like to be me. Well, I'm just a normal dude, man. I, I, uh, you know, I spent spent 13 years in pastoral ministry right out of high school and college and then got completely fed up, burned out, sick of doing that, I guess you can call that burnout, whatever it was, and decided I wanted to go back to school and do something where I could really make a, a bigger impact in the world. Got a teaching degree, started teaching school, and then the Great Recession kind of derailed that whole career because of budget cuts and uh, had to make a decision again. What am I going to do now? And that's when I became what I could refer to as accidental entrepreneur. And that's kind of led me to uh, over the last 12 years or so to where I am today. And tell us what sort of businesses have you been a part of through these last, uh, say, 12 years or so? Well, in, um, you know, back in 1995 is when I got married and I was a part-time youth minister at a church and I needed to do something to make a little extra income. And I went to this conference and they were telling people about how to design websites. Now think about this in terms of how old the web, the World Wide Web was. It was invented, I think, in 94. So it was brand new in 95. The internet was a new thing. And I started that business, but I wasn't an entrepreneur. I wasn't a businessman. I was just trying to make bills. I was just trying to pay the bills. And that that was my first foray into any kind of business ownership. I didn't try again until 2010. So this is, this is a long, long uh, spot in between. But in 2010, I didn't get my contract renewed and I had to start, a, I had to do something to make money. And I started a company at the time was called Future Vision Energy. Today, it's refer, it's uh, we rebranded to Energy Lighting Services or ELS. And it was a company that we set up to do LED lighting. Uh, so we were doing LED lighting in uh, retrofits in large commercial buildings across the country. And we rode the wave at the right time, created a very successful company, built up to a pretty substantial in my mind, substantial revenue and created a whole new life for myself and my family and my employees. And uh, then I went on to to start other companies. I've got a small real estate investing company. I had an e-commerce company for a while. I've got a uh, YouTube channel that I've got monetized, not very well, but <laughs> that's monetized. But the biggest thing that I do now is I, I, I help other entrepreneurs figure out their purpose in life by showing them how to become 10, what I call 10-hour entrepreneurs. So you pull back so that's what I do now as a coach, a speaker, an author, a podcaster. Well, tell us more. Tell us what is a 10-hour entrepreneur? What's that all about? Well, so the idea here is that I believe that you can run a successful business and own a successful business without having to work 40, 50, 60 hours a week. I don't think that's required. Uh, most entrepreneurs that I've found are job owners and not business owners. And they have bought themselves in a, into maybe, maybe a high paying job. Let's assume that for a moment, but nevertheless, it's still a job. It's still something they have to show up for every day. And if they don't, they don't get paid. And that to me is the antithesis of what entrepreneurship should provide. Entrepreneurship should provide freedom. And I think that's what we all wanted when we started our businesses. For those of us that have our own businesses, we wanted freedom. And so what I, what I discovered over the years is that you can be an entrepreneur, you can be an owner investor rather than the owner operator. And so one way to describe that is a 10 hour entrepreneur. Can you run your business in 10 hours a week or less? I, I'll tell you this, the truth is that I've got a business that I started in 2010 that I put 60, 70, 80 hour weeks in for a long time. 
And then I decided, mm, don't want to do this anymore. This is not why I'm on the planet. God did not put me here to run a lighting company full time. That's not why I'm on the planet. There's something else. So I started making the shifts to pull back so that I could figure out what to do really in my life. And I started doing it 10 hours a week and then 10 hours a month and then 10 hours a quarter. And now quite literally that company I put in maybe 10 hours a year. Fantastic. And so this is a mindset shift going from, you know, being a owner operator to an owner investor. Describe that shift and what kind of mindset does it take to be an owner investor? Well, going back to the hero syndrome that we talked about a few minutes ago, the, the mindset shift that you have to make is this. As an entrepreneur, if you are building your business around you as the main personality or the main um, skilled person, the main salesperson, whatever that happens to be, you're building a job and you are the hero of that business. And the hero of that business doesn't have superpowers, regardless of what we think, but that business now is a, you, you are the crutch for the business. And think about how selfish that is. If you have 10, 15, 20 employees or hundreds of employees and, and you are the linchpin for making that work, if something happens to you, you get hit by a bus, you get sick, you're out of business, you're, you're out of the business for 30 days or longer, what happens? You know, most mm -hmm. people, when I ask that question, say, well, my business would go bankrupt. Yeah. Now, what happens to all your employees? Now, what you've done by creating a business that relies on you as the hero is you've, you've endangered the livelihoods of perhaps dozens, maybe hundreds of other people. So, so the mindset shift has to start with, I can't operate a business that relies on me because if I do, I'm endangering other people. I have to set the business up to be on my own, uh, that runs on its own. I, I interviewed a guy on my podcast one time who was not an entrepreneur. He was a professor and he'd done a study about the, what happens to businesses when the founder dies. It was a, it's a very interesting study and I would recommend anybody go take a look at it, especially entrepreneurs. But he used this analogy of the business being uh, your baby and also the business being a conjoined twin to you. Now think about this. So there's two analogies and every analogy breaks down somewhere, but Mark, I know you'll appreciate this. So on the baby side, what should you do with a baby? You carry it at first and then you feed it at first. And eventually it learns to feed itself, learns to walk, it learns to do its own thing. And, and within, you know, of course in a baby's life, the analogy goes, it's, it's within 10 or 12 years, it's fully, fully, you know, aware, it can do its own thing. And then 18, 20 years, it's on its own. But if we treat our, our business like a baby, that's what should happen. It should be a, a period of training and teaching, and then eventually it runs on its own. But what most people have their business, it's a conjoined twin to themselves. Like, and it's not the baby, you are the baby and everything is about you. And, and if you split the conjoined twin, you know, a lot of bad things happen. So every analogy breaks down somewhere, but I thought that was a really interesting thing. So the mindset has to shift why you own the business. Do you own the business to have a better job or do you own the business to have a better life? So that is a big shift. Ooh, that is a big shift. Do you have that business? Do you own the business to have a better job or do you own your business to have a better life? So I think there's that weird, awkward teenager stage of the business where you might have had to start as a solopreneur, uh, but at some point you have to start firing yourself. But I had another guy, his name's uh, Keith Cunningham. He wrote The Road Less Stupid, great book on business management and, and uh, you know business investments and so forth. But he has an analogy. He says, nothing is completely passive. And I want to get your hot take on this. Nothing is completely passive. You think about your health, that's not completely passive. No nothing that's 
that's worthy of investing in is completely passive. Your marriage, your business. He says passive income is the same. You might be, it's sort of more like a a, a merry-go-round where you have to put a lot of effort into it on the front end, push, push, push to get it moving, overcoming inertia, overcoming gravity and, and entropy or whatever. Uh, and then over time, all you have to do is sort of, you know, tap it a little bit, kind of give it a little whack to keep it spinning, but it's moving on its own volition. How do you help people get to that point where they are free from just owning an expensive job? So I, I think that um, the idea that nothing is passive, I think, I think it's a, I think it's semantics, but I, I believe it's passive as much as breathing is passive, as much as my heart beating is passive. Like I, I, I don't, I don't will myself to breathe. I don't will myself to, to, to make my heart beat and all my, all my really good. rhythm. I don't do that. It, it, it happens on its own. And, and when the bit, when your life requires something else to do that for you, that's, you're in a bad state. So your business should be a passive income generator in that it operates on its own and you're, you're not the plug into the wall to make it happen. It, it needs to operate on its own. So I think the shift that has to be made is we've got to make that shift from actively helping the business breathe, walk, eat, you know, run, whatever it does to eventually, and, and sooner than most people think eventually, but to get to the place where it's operating on its own. And I think in that sense that it, it is, it can be passive. I mean, you look at, I mean, I've done it. I've helped dozens of other people do this. It's you can create a business that will provide you with passive income, tax benefits, et cetera. Now, it may not be the exact same amount of income that you might have had if you were the CEO and running day-to-day -day operations, but what's time worth? Time's worth more than money to me. I mean, at the end of your life, what do you want more of, money or time? You want time. So if you want it at the end of your life, then you should start thinking about it at the beginning. Well said, man. I totally agree with that. How did it feel when you started this business and then began to find yourself trying to you know, let loose, let it go, and to exit without exiting? Describe well, that feeling for us. Um. It was scary as hell. <laughs> I mean, it was really, it was scary because it was my baby and it was my thing, but I'm going to tell you, this is, this is actually a true story of what happened. So in 2017, I hired a business coach for the very first time. BJ Howard was his name. Uh, you know, God rest his soul. He passed away in, in 2020, but, um, fantastic dude, a very smart, Harvard trained, very, very, uh, very smart guy. And, um, so he, he helped me and at the time my business partner think through our business in ways that we hadn't thought about before. We were very successful. We'd been on the ink, uh, ink list of the fastest growing privately held companies in the country. We'd been on entrepreneur 360 list as the top entrepreneurial companies in the country. So we were doing well. We were, we had a very strong bottom line, very high profitability. It, we were doing well. Um, but he helped change our mindset and that was the job. That's what a coach should do. And that's why I believe everybody should have a coach. So BJ helped us start thinking about that. And I remember going through the process with him and, and BJ was the first person to really reveal to me, Jason, you've built a business that relies on you. Mm, yeah. And, and I had not considered that. That had not been a thought because to me, it was my job to show up every day and motivate the team and to, to be on the sales calls and to, to, to negotiate with vendors and to hire people. Like I enjoyed it. I have a killer team. My team is amazing. I've got great, great employees have been with me for a long, long time. And so I just assumed that was my job to do it. And I think that's where most entrepreneurs live and they assume that. And so as I started thinking about that, I remember having a meeting with him, just the two of us individually, uh, not with my business partner, but just the two of us 
at a Panera Bread one time, and 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 he asked me the question, Jason, if you weren't running this business right now, what would you be doing? If you had the knowledge you have now and the money that you have access Good question. to, what, what would you be doing? And I said, well, it sure as heck wouldn't be running a lighting company. Like, but I I only did this just because it was a good opportunity and I succeeded you know, nicely at it. I wouldn't do a lighting company. I have no passion, no drive, no joy, no, I have no preconceived knowledges of what it was. What would, so what would I do? And I said, man, I'd probably do something with cars or motorcycles. I, because those are things I like. And, and of course we, that just got me thinking like, why am I really here? Like, mm. What am I really on the planet for? And so as I started thinking through that, it really led me to the, to the conclusion of I've got to get out of the daily operations of the business. First idea, like most entrepreneurs would think is, well, let's sell it. It's, it's, we got to be worth X number of millions of dollars. Right. And BJ delivered the bad news. No, it's not. And I said, you gotta be kidding me. You know what our books are. You know what our bottom line is. He goes, yeah, but here, here's the thing. Nobody's going to buy it because it requires you and you want out. So what I've discovered is that businesses with owner operators are worth 30 to 50% less than businesses where the owner is not involved. Wow. And that's true. That's a true stat. I didn't make that up. That's you can talk to business brokers, M&A guys right now. And that's what they'll tell you. And so I couldn't sell the business. I mean, I could, but then, then I'm left with, I don't, let, let's say at the end of the day, just for sake of conversation, let's say I'm left with a million bucks. A million bucks doesn't change your life. A million bucks is not going to set you up forever. It doesn't, it's not going to change your life. And if you're in a place, if as a listener, you think a million dollars, you need to up your level of thinking. Like a million dollars is going to change your life. So I thought, well, what can I do otherwise? And that is when the exit without exiting concept began to formulate my brain. Even though I didn't know what it was called at the time, I thought, okay, how do I get out of daily operations, but still own the business? And it took me about 18 to 24 months to really make all that happen. And then in January, 2020, I formally stepped away. Uh, from daily operations and started my 10 hour weeks and then 10 hour months and then 10 hour quarters, et cetera. Love it. Well, that's a phenomenal story. And it, you know, it reminds me of the journey I hear so many of our clients go through. Uh, and then you and I met uh, in the midst of that transition, I remember. Uh, talk to me about what uh, that was like, our, our initial conversations. And also you stumbled through the, you had already found the bank on yourself concept, I believe, as part of our connection. Uh, but talk about stumbling down that rabbit hole and how bank on yourself has contributed to your path of success as a, um, as an ex exit without exiting entrepreneur. This is why I love podcasts and I'm so glad you do one. I love doing mine. I love listening to them. I was driving in my truck to go pick up my RV from the shop, I, my wife and I RV a lot. And, and the RV shop where I bought it, uh, it was, it was like an hour, hour and a half away from my house. And so I, it was pretty inconvenient, <laughs> but, but I was driving my truck. And I remember that day, the interstate was shut down. They had a lot of, a lot of traffic, a lot of traffic construction going on in ways, which I love ways, by the way. Uh, I, it, it routed me off the interstate through these back roads and, and, and I don't know why this locked into my brain, but I'm driving down one of these back roads and I'm listening to a podcast that I have no idea which one it was. I don't remember who, you know, what I was listening to, which podcast it was, but a guy came on and, um, his name was Robert Murphy. If you know, mm -hmm. Murphy, uh, Robert Murphy and Carlos Laura, uh, the, uh, Laura Murphy report. And it was just him being interviewed. And he was started talking just in, in little tips, little bits about what, what you call, and I call bank on yourself, 
there's so many different words, infinite banking concept is there, but he was talking about that. And I was like, what, what's, what is this thing? And this is, this is only what, six years ago, maybe, I don't know. It wasn't maybe, maybe a little longer ago than that. I don't remember, but, but I'm listening to that and it was, it blew my mind. I thought I'd never heard of this before. And so then I start the, I start the rabbit hole looking for other podcasts that are about this. And then I found the Laura Murphy report that their podcast, I started listening to that and um, they used to live in Nashville. Well, Carlos still lives in Nashville. I, I ultimately ended up having lunch with him. Fantastic guy. Cool. Um, I haven't met Robert before, but that started me down this path of, of thinking, you mean I can do this with whole life? Dave Ramsey told me I wasn't supposed to do this. I've been a Dave Ramsey fan. Why, why, why? Has he been lying to me? What is going on here? I, everything, everything is turned upside down. And so I bought the book, like uh, bank on yourself or, or how to become your own banker, all these different books. And I started reading and I'm like, this is crazy. And then I ran into an, a, a guy at an event who, um, who was talking to me about what he did a little bit and he was dropping hints. He wasn't, he didn't come right out and say it, but he was dropping hints. And we met like two or three times, had coffee. And eventually I said, are you talking about whole life insurance? Are you talking about infinite banking? And he went, yes. I went, well, why didn't you just say so? Sign me up. Nice. <laughs> Good. So, so that's how I became aware of it. And, uh, you know, I'm 47 now and I'm, I'm, I wish, oh my gosh, I wish that I had known about this in my twenties. I mean, there's no telling what my cash value would be right now. I mean, it would be certainly significantly more than what I have available today, but, um, yeah, it's, it's one of the best tools I've ever found for finances. Fantastic, man. Thank you. And as you look to the future, uh, how do you see yourself using that tool and how might you see other entrepreneurs since you partner with, talk with? you know, coach and mentor other entrepreneurs, business owners, how do you see yourself using your policies? And also, how do you see business owners being able to use the same tool to help them take advantage in the marketplace? Well, personally, with with maybe one banker exception, who's a friend of mine, I hate banks. Like I hate, uh, and, and I, I, don't, I don't hate individuals, but bankers in general, because they don't, get it. And I, and you could use the excuse all day long that there's regulations and blah, blah. I don't care. Like they just absolutely 99.9% of them do not get entrepreneurship. They do not understand business ownership. They don't get it. They're sitting back and they're loaning money out to other people at 15, 20% interest. And they're giving me 0.01 on my savings account. Yes. Great business model, but they're not businessmen. They're not entrepreneurs and they're not taking risks in the way that most entrepreneurs do. So that's that's kind of my, my caveat with all this because I had a banker almost make me go bankrupt one time because he lied to me and he about screwed me and it was it was so bad so I have I have a bad experience but it's not unique to me I think a lot of entrepreneurs have similar similar ideas about bankers so part of my reasoning for wanting to be in the bank on yourself and, and to do these policies is that I want to I want to ultimately I'm not there yet but I want to ultimately completely be removed from the banking system you and I talked on my podcast about we've got to come up with a way for peer to peer and, and peer to, or, or consumer to business payment processing that doesn't require banks mm-hmm. for those of us that are want to pull out of that, because I don't want to participate in the madness that's banks. Like right now, for example, uh, we want to buy some land and build a house. Uh, my income is weird because I'm a you know, business on multiple business owners and on, on paper, you know, I make no money like, but, but, but that's just the way it goes with deductions, et cetera. Obviously I make money, but a banker would look at that and go, Mr. Duncan, you can't afford this. You can't afford this. I'm like, uh, yes, I can. Well, it doesn't show that you can't. I, listen, 
I don't want to deal with that idiocy. I don't want to deal with it. So eventually for me, I want to use it to be completely removed from the banking system. I want to borrow my own against my own money, use my own money and have infinite compounding interest on the back end. I want it to be protected from taxes and protected from creditors, protected from anybody that could get to it. That's what I want to use. And I want to encourage my, um, my uh, clients, my mastermind clients and my coaching clients to do the same thing. Yeah, if just let's say 10% of entrepreneurs had this as their primary financing vehicle, what would change about the entrepreneurial landscape, our overall national and world economy, uh, the banking industry? You know, I've met, I've met so many entrepreneurs who are just shoveling all of their profits into the pockets of, you know, I'll name a few, Cabbage, you know, you might know some of these, Amazon Lending. Uh, these are big institutions that obviously lend money to a, a, a frail, you know, desperate business owner, entrepreneur, and then charge incredible interest rates. I mean, we're talking double and even triple digit interest rates. Uh, it'd be usury laws if that was a consumer loan. Uh, but for some reason, it's somehow possible for these short-term and um, you know sometimes ongoing loan arrangements with some of these these banksters, as I call them. So I totally agree with you, man. Um, what's one thing that most people don't realize about the importance of being able to have access to capital for whatever you need when you're a business owner? Talk to the guy or gal who's listening who's not quite jumped into the entrepreneurial gravy train yet. Uh, what's what's necessary about having access to capital? And you you talk about hating the bankers and having to kiss the ring of the banker. Um, why do we need access to that capital so badly to help our businesses thrive? Well, there is no ability to make impact in this world without money. And now you can, people could argue that all they want. Like, well, a pastor makes an impact. Parents make an impact. Teachers make, yeah, they make, it's like, it's like water. You know, if you can imagine a bowl of water in front of you, or a bucket of water. If you if you if you just touch it with your finger, there's going to be a small reaction, small ripples. If you drop a rock in there, it's going to be a huge reaction. So, what do you want? What kind of impact do you want? For me, impact is the big rock. I want to drop the big rock, big, big, big ripples, big splash. If all you want is one little touch and one little ripple, that's fine. That's what pastors do. I used to be one. That's what teachers do. I used to be one. That's what parents do. I am one. But if you want to make a big impact in the world, that's you got to be an entrepreneur. That's 100%. I believe that. Number two, you can't do it without money. Mm. You cannot do it without money. You can't do it on goodwill and good looks. You've got to have money to make this happen. And if you don't have access to money, then you're not going to be able to make the impact you want. One of my goals is to have generational wealth. And and people look at me and go, well, why, why would you want that? Don't you just have enough? I don't like that word enough. What does enough mean? Enough just for me? Wasn't that selfish? What about somebody else? What about what about my wife? Well, well, enough for you and your wife. Okay. Well, what about my kids? Well, okay, just enough for you and your wife and your kids. Okay, so that's it. Like it stops there. I don't need to make an impact yeah. for my neighbors and my community, this world. Mm. I want to make a big impact. So if you want to make a big impact, you got to have access to capital. I was in a I lead a mastermind group in Nashville at a private club that I'm a member of. And we have this leadership society that meets once a quarter and we have these big events and we do a mastermind event. And just last week I hosted one of these and one of the guys in the group, um, just bought several, uh, restaurants and a franchise and he's wanted to buy five or 10 more. And his whole problem right now, guess what? I need capital. And where did he get his first capital? He, he got his first, uh, you know, tranche of money from the SBA, our saviors in the world of entrepreneurship, the small, business, small administration. business administration. Yeah. But right, here's right. the deal. They've got him and his wife and every asset that he owns locked up for eternity until that deal is paid back. 
and he can't borrow any other money because yep. he can't borrow any other money because somebody who, like if I loaned him money, I'm going to want collateral. And I'm going to say, hey, buddy, if I loan you money, I'm going to need your house as collateral just in case you don't pay. Well, he can't do that because the SBA won't allow it to happen. So he is locked. Yep. So again, the government and the banksters are screwing people because he doesn't have access to capital. But if he had a whole life insurance policy properly structured, funded correctly, he would be saying, guys, how do I deploy capital? He would be asking the question, where can I get it? Man, that's great. Fantastic. All right. Well, there's probably more we can talk about on how Bank on Yourself can follow and fit with the success of an entrepreneur. But I want to return back now to a story that you you teased me with before I hit record. Uh, and it's a story about an obituary. So uh, take it away. What's the story that we need to hear about? So this is a this is an absolutely true story and it plays into uh, a lot of what I do every day. So there was this there was this uh, guy, his name is Al. He was an inventor and he had invented uh, he's actually the inventor of dynamite. He invented many other explosions uh, or explosives, and it helped him, him amass a great fortune, as you might imagine. Well, one day uh, he woke up and read the newspaper and he read his own obituary. And the headline of the obituary was, the merchant of death is dead. And everything in that obituary was about how he had brought on death and all this because of his inventions and this great fortune that he'd amassed around it. Well, here's the issue. The issue was, it wasn't him that died, obviously, because he's reading it. It was his brother, Lou. His brother had died, but the newspaper took it and ran with the story. Imagine that. News people coming up with the wrong story, lying about something. <laughs> that never happens. Never, but, right. But so it was really his brother had died and they had written the obituary for his brother, but thought it was him and they just got confused. Well, here's what happened in Al's life. Al was shook by this, as you might imagine. He was shook by the, the idea that he was going to be remembered as the merchant of death. So seeing what his life had become up to that point, it gave him a wake up call and he decided that's not what I want to be remembered as. That's not what I want to I'll be known for when I pass away. So he ended up completely changing his life, completely focusing on new things. Obviously, he can't uninvent dynamite, uninvent explosives. But he he started thinking about how he wanted to be remembered and reorganize his life. And he ended up leaving most of his wealth in a trust that now gives awards to people to this very day known as Nobel Prizes. That is Alfred Nobel. That is his story. That's a true story. Today, he's remembered as a humanitarian. He's remembered not as the bringer of death. So what does that, what does that story do for you and me? Well, how, if your obituary was written today, how would it be written? What would you be remembered for? What have you truly accomplished and have done in this world? Then I want you to think about what you'd like to be remembered for. What, what would you want the world to say about you? What would the headline, what would you want the headline to be? Certainly not the, the merchant of death. Well, the difference between those two is completely in your control. It is once you understand the difference between those two obituaries, it is time to orchestrate your life to get to the second one, not the first one. And you are in complete control of that. So if you're a business owner and you're operating your business 40, 50, 60 hours a week, and you're running yourself to the bone, you're selfish by endangering your employees, that's what you'll be remembered for. But if you don't want to be remembered for that, then start making the changes to extricate yourself from the business. Put your money in the right places so that you can leave generational wealth to other people to make an impact in the world. That is a good story from Alfred Nobel.
Man, that is a great story. Thank you. You know, that that spurs up a lot in me, and I'll keep this brief, but uh, just to add to what you've already said so well, you're right. The story's not over. If you're breathing, if your heart is beating, you have a chance to start the next chapter. You you may have written nine terrible chapters in your life thus far, but there's a 10th chapter waiting if you're ready to take steps. And maybe it takes the the scary notion of seeing your own obituary or maybe it's just um, you know this podcast that you're hearing and hearing Alfred Nobel's st- uh, story there. Maybe that's the wake-up call that you have to write a beginning to a fresh start to the rest of your book of life. So that's the first thing that comes to my mind. So thank you for sharing that. The other is more of a practical, tactical thought, and that is we all have a foundation in a whole life policy. We have a the beginnings of an estate through the death benefit. When you pass away, you might not have you know, tens of billions of dollars to to start a foundation like the Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, but couldn't you think of a creative strategy to continue your life's mission uh, with the death benefit that you might leave to your family or your community or the world? You know, why should your mission, whatever your mission in life is, why should it stop just because your heart stopped beating today? That's That's no reason to stop a mission that's hopefully bigger than yourself. If we're truly designing a world that we'd like to live in, Hopefully the mission is big enough that it should continue whether you're around or not. So use the death benefit as a means by which to, you know, affect the world in and leave it better than you found it. And I think Alfred Nobel certainly did that. Maybe he didn't have life insurance. Maybe he did. I don't know his story there. He certainly had wealth from his inventions, his business ownership and more. So couldn't you do the same, whether with pennies or with dollars, uh, find a way to make, you know, your lasting impact happen, you know, beyond these days on earth. So fantastic story there, Jason. Thank you. Um, So as we wrap up, what are some things that you can share with our audience? Any resources, wisdom, insights that you could share along with our listeners who, you know, might be inspired by this exit without exiting lifestyle? Well, I think that for one, if you're, you know, as a listener to this podcast, hopefully you've already talked to Mark and his team about, you know, what he's doing and how he's working to help you protect your wealth and grow your wealth. So you should do that for sure. Um, because I tip of the hat there to you. Thank you very much. That's what I do. You know, I'm working with Mark on my stuff, but I, but I think that if you, as an entrepreneur, if what I'm saying resonates, if you realize that you are in that place where, you know, I, I really could use some opportunities and some tactics and some tips and some mindset shifting to get myself in a place where my obituary is going to be the one I want it to be. Then, then I would say, look, look me up, go to the real read about what I do, watch my videos, follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn. I, I'm pretty active on both of those platforms, uh, on, on Instagram a lot on, on LinkedIn almost as much, but, um, you can find me at the real Jason Duncan on either of those platforms. And then I've got a group. It's a free group. It's a private group on LinkedIn, but you can go join that. It's called the 10 hour entrepreneur. All you do is go to LinkedIn at the top, uh, the top search bar, just type in 10 hour entrepreneur, the number 10 hour entrepreneur, and you'll find the group and, uh, you just request to join and I approve you to get into the group. And it's, it's a, you know, we just started this, but it's growing. And my, my vision is to see this, to be tens of thousands of people from LinkedIn that are entrepreneurs that want to get tips and share ideas on how to become a 10 hour entrepreneur. What do I do? Now that I've become one. And that's one of the questions that we all have is like, okay, if I'm, my identity is wrapped up in the thing that I do every day and I do back it down to 10 hours, what the heck am I going to do with all those other hours? Okay. 
that's a problem. It is a problem. I went through about a four month identity crisis when I, when I stepped away, it was tough, but I had a coach who helped me work through that. And I'm, that's why I believe in coaches. And, uh, but that's what the idea is behind the 10 hour entrepreneur. So you can follow me on Instagram, follow me on LinkedIn, join the 10 hour entrepreneur. And there's lots of resources. I've got coaching courses. I've got a mastermind that I lead for male entrepreneurs who are very successful. They just want to know how to get to that next level for living their real life and not just living a business. Well, JD, you are certainly an inspiration. You're giving me goosebumps as I think about all the ways in which we can serve and participate in this grand experiment called life. Thank you for these uh, opportunities to participate with you in what you're helping build. Uh, so that's the 10 hour entrepreneur. Go find that at LinkedIn to search LinkedIn for that. And then you are all over the interwebs, Instagram and LinkedIn and more with the in front of it, the real Jason Duncan. And your website one more time is therealjasonduncan.com. Well, thank you very much, JD, for coming on. And uh, thanks for sharing your story with us. Appreciate you very much. It's been an honor. Thank you, Jason, for coming on the show today. And thanks for all of your wisdom and insight. You know, you can really just tell when people have got wisdom versus just reading a few books. And Jason, the real Jason Duncan is the real deal. Uh, one little takeaway I wanted to leave you with, guys, as we're wrapping up is when he said that your business is not likely worth as much as you think it is. That stings to hear that, but it's especially true if you are the owner-operator. Jason says that businesses with owner-operators, really those types of businesses are worth 30 to even 50% less than businesses where the owner is not involved. That's a sad but true fact. If the goal of your business is to make an impact and create the life of your dreams and to have an asset that's truly worthwhile, you might be the biggest logjam in the way of true exponential growth in your business. Uh, so thank you again, Jason, and thank you everyone for joining me for this week's episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live differently with your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.